0: And peace of Christ be with you, Hope College. Happy Friday, we made it. Yes, another week. Hey, we have some visitors checking out Hope College and we'd like to welcome you to our chapel today. And I know some of you who are visiting are wondering "Where, where do you wanna spend your time? Where do you wanna go to college? And this is an unsolicited remark, so take it from my heart. But when you're choosing a college, don't just choose a brand or a reputation, or a glossy brochure, pick a people. And we would love, love to be your people. So again, we welcome you to Hope College. We're really glad you're here. I'm also really glad to introduce two Hope College alumni, Reverend Steven Rodriguez, who's a 2007 grad. He is the pastor at Lakeview Community Church in Rochester, New York. And Reverend Kevin Slusher, who's a 2010 grad, Who's been the last five years at the Reformed Church of Port Ewan? Um, They've been on campus involved in a conversation around a theology of singleness. And together, as friends, they're writing a book around singleness, marriage, and the cross. And um, both both Stephen and Kevin are um, out of this ministry and doing the deep work to love a people in the name of Christ. And it is so great to have you back. Would you please welcome them back to Hope College?
1: Um, I think I I can speak for Stephen, uh, speak for the both of us to say it's such a privilege and a joy to be back in this space in which both of us were so deeply formed in our life before and with the triune God of grace, and to be in this space where the word was so faithfully proclaimed and poured out and taken up by the Holy Spirit, and poured out deep into the depths of both of our beings. So it's a privilege to be back here and to be able to to preach the word in this space. Um, So with that said, hear now the word of the Lord from the book that we love, the Gospel of John chapter 19, beginning with verse 25. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Skipping down to verse 32. Then the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the first and then the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John's gospel opens with, and
2: the word became flesh. This good news that God has not left us alone, but has come down to save, and has come down to save by taking on human flesh, becoming a human being like us, walking in and among us, and in becoming a human being, skin and bone, hair, the the nails, the fingernails, to becoming a human being among us, and becoming enfleshed not just as a human being, but embodied in human systems, a particular sex, gender, cultural location, family and friends. God takes on all this in Jesus Christ to be with us in the mystery of the incarnation. But all of that is threatened in the passion of Jesus. The promise of the incarnation is threatened. As the boundaries of Jesus' body are transgressed, as he is beaten and mocked, As he's rejected by his own, his culture, his faith community, a profound sense of estrangement and rejection. And even his very social network, his family and friends are being ripped apart. As he is dying on the cross, his mother watches as she loses her son. His best friend losing his best friend. All the promise of the incarnation on the line threatened feels like an open question, and in that moment, that surprising moment, Jesus speaks a word of life. He who is being ripped apart is bringing healing. The word who spoke the world into existence now speaks a new family into existence. Jesus looks down from the cross and says to his mother, woman, here is your son. And says to John, here is your mother. And the word speaks a new family into existence. And in the same way, as we follow the way of the cross, we are called to follow Christ, dying at every level of our existence, our embodied enmeshment in systems and families and friends and in dying with Christ, to receive a new and surprising family of God.
1: One of the ways that this grace of God confronted me in my own life, rupturing my own hopes and dreams and knitting them back together on the other side of the cross was in relation to my own sexuality and my hope for a family. I grew up in a a family, I went to church from the day I was born, twice on Sundays, once a week on Wednesdays. There was not a time where I remember where I don't remember hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing it. Um, I remember at the age of seven, going forward and offering um, my life to God. I didn't grow up in the reformed tradition. I went forward responding to an altar call, offering my life to God, and, and probably went 70 times after that in the next 10 years because in there was something about me that I knew just was, uh, I, I had believed that was preventing me from encountering, or would prevent me from being able to be a part of the people of God and it was that I, um, I was gay. And I remember growing up and, and night after night praying that, that God would heal me, that he would take this away, that um, hoping that maybe I'd just find the right girl and somehow I'd fall in love and, and all of this would just kind of be able to be put away. And I came to Hope College wrestling with these questions and I saw two options. One option on my right uh, offered a a healing narrative uh, to to, um, the the option of reparative therapy, of conversion therapy, that the the vision of God for your life is to become straight. That's what holiness looks like, to become straight, to get married, to live kind of this this sort of uh, middle-class American dream. And on the other side, I saw the other option was to, to study and to read scripture in such a way to reinterpret and... Uh, to reinterpret the way that the Christian tradition had interpreted the witness of Scripture for over 2,000 years and across a variety of cultures, that marriage was between one man and one woman. And, and the more I studied, the more I read, and the more I even in some ways hoped that I could re-read Scripture differently, the more I actually became convicted and convinced of a traditional Christian sexual ethic. So I ended up at seminary, still wrestling with these questions. It was there I came across a book by Wesley Hill called Washington Waiting. He, he has a story, it's quite similar to mine, wrestling with his sexuality. And it was there that, that I was given language for a life I, I felt I was already living, um, this language of, of celibacy, of singleness, a life of committed singleness to where I could be open and honest about my sexuality and yet still be faithful to what I felt God, uh, the witness of scripture, and, and what I felt God calling me to do. And it was in the midst of my visions of my hope for a family, being ruptured, being being put to death in the death of Christ, that I found that the grace and the promise of God to be gently knit back together on the other side came true for me in my friendship with Stephen and his family. It was there that I met Stephen, was welcomed into his home with his wife Joanna. They would have me over, not just for dinner, but to be over to spend time. They had two kids at the time, now three, but. Um, they just had their, their daughter when I, when I met him. To spend time with the kids, to play with them, to read with them, to hang out after dinner, to help wash dishes, um, or put the kids to bed or, or take a part of family devotions, I truly became a part of their family, that family of God that we see consummated at the foot of the cross.
2: And as Kevin, following the way of the cross, his particular calling of dying and receiving the family of God, so he stood as a prophetic witness to me as a married person, that I too am called to die in my identity of what I think it means to be married, to not see marriage as a tool of socioeconomic advancement, to live the West Elm dream, but to be a pilgrim home on the way, opening up our home in radical hospitality. And also, as Kevin, following Christ in the way of the cross, has chosen to defer desire and to be painfully aware of the hope that he holds out, So I too, in marriage, have discovered, and I love my wife, but discovered loneliness and the ways in which your spouse will never truly fulfill your deepest desires. And that as married and single, our deepest hunger, imaged in the water and the blood flowing from Christ's side, will only be satisfied in Jesus Christ. And in this life, we only catch hints and glimmers of that reality, but one hint, one sign that we have seen. A couple years ago, uh, my wife and I celebrated the birth of our third child, Emmanuel, and I called Kevin up and I asked him, I said, Kevin, would you be willing to baptize Emmanuel? So we all gathered in this little church that I pastor by the shore of Lake Ontario. We gathered around the font together, and Kevin, who for the sake of the kingdom has given up the promise of a biological family, dipped his hand in the water, a sign of the blood, and pronounced over my biological son, Emmanuel, that he is baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we caught a glimpse of a deeper reality that in Christ, Kevin is a spiritual father to Emmanuel, and Emmanuel can claim him as his spiritual father and that we are part of a broader family. That as we live this temporal existence of marriage and singleness now, one day we will all be united together around the great marriage supper of the Lamb.
1: Stephen and I don't want to lie to you this morning and, and give you a vision that isn't really true. As real as that experience was around the font that, that morning, I remember getting into my car that afternoon, driving four and a half hours back across upstate New York and realizing that as true as that reality was, I was a spiritual father, but engrafted into a family, I was not there to help change the diapers, help cook meals, to help put the kids down to bed or to run errands. I was not there to be a real part of their family. And as real as that experience was, it it, it dawned on me that it, it is also a sign of our hope that is deferred. The hope that Stephen just alluded to, of the hope of the vision of Revelation 19 of the marriage supper of the Lamb where all of us one day, married or single, married with children, married, unable to have children, divorced or widowed, old, young, all of us will find our union, our belonging, our home in Jesus Christ in the marriage supper of the Lamb where we, his bride, will be married and find the end of our desires in Christ, our bridegroom. And so it's in that hope Wherever you are at this morning, whether you are wrestling with the grace of God that confronts you in the midst of your own sexuality, in the midst of your own desires for romance and marriage, whether you are feeling the oppressive weight of the ring by spring (laughs) that often takes place on campuses like this, whether you go forth from here, doing the hard work of cultivating deep friendship that will last beyond these walls, go forward in that hope the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we all find our end, the end of all of our desires in Christ and Christ alone. Go in peace.